actually podcast thank you for joining me all six of you so i just wanted to give a quick introduction to the pod Uh, so the podcast is going to be a bit of a creative outlet for me and it's also going to take a look at things from the perspective of a nigerian american or a nigerian in america and we get to share these thoughts and opinions in a way that hopefully won't be taken out of context the way a tweet or a thread of tweets can and we're just going to be taking a look at current things going on at any given time also we're going to talk media so there will be tv or a movie or even some music recommendations then we're going to touch on sports a little bit but don't want to get people too riled up i'm also going to try to tackle certain social issues and hopefully we can learn in the process all right let's get to it So I wanted to talk about the Grammys to start because it's a topic that lends to the format of what I'm trying to do with the podcast. So some of it is opinion based. A lot of it is based on facts that a lot of people might not be aware of. So it might clear up some common misconceptions in a well actually kind of way. So for any song to be considered for the 2019 Grammys, it had to be released between October 1st of 2017 and September 30th, 2018. That's why a lot of these songs, you're probably like, damn, I haven't heard that song in a long time. How come it's just coming up? But yeah, the Grammys have a very weird eligibility system. So we're gonna start off with Album of the Year, which was given to Casey Musgraves. And I mean, it was a bit of a shocker, especially after the Grammys expanded to eight nominees this year. But it wasn't as bad as when Beck won, but I'm not gonna even get into that. Next up, we have Song of the Year, which is different from Record of the Year. A Song of the Year has to do with songwriting and composition. Record of the Year is more all-encompassing, like recording, mixing, sound engineering, stuff like that. So Childish Gambino was the first rap artist to win the award for Song of the Year and Record of the Year uh, for This Is America. Uh, This Is America was the first rap song to win record of the year i was kind of blown away by that i mean it's pretty common for a song to win both awards but the fact that it's the first time it's been for a rap song and the fact that it was this song i mean don't get me wrong it's not like it was a bad song per se but if you read out the lyrics for this is america i don't even think it was the best rap song of the year but i guess they gave it to it for the message and you can't really fault that And I definitely don't have a problem with them giving it the award for the best video. And it didn't win a Grammy for best video. I bet you didn't even know there was an award for best video. Oh yeah, a quick thing. Uh, Young Thug got a Grammy for This Is America as one of the songwriters. Uh, Just a quick tidbit there. Next up, we have uh, Best R&B Performance. And that Grammy went to her and Daniel Caesar for best part. Now, this is such a dope song. I mean, I know I'm late to the Her bandwagon, but that is what love sounds like. I mean, if you haven't heard it, go check it out. I, I checked out Her's album, and it is it is a work of art. Uh, best R&B song went to LMA for Boot Up. Yeah, I think I'm okay with that. But like I said, once you hear the word song for the Grammys, it's mainly about songwriting. Well, songwriting and composition. So I guess the more melodic, the better. 
I mean, I remember when the song hit the radio, you couldn't stop at a red light without hearing dudes singing along. Poorly, but boldly. Anyway, for this category, uh, Beyonce has a record four wins. So now here's where things get tricky. Uh, best rap song. Uh, this is supposed to be best writing in a rap song. And that went to Drake for God's Plan. I don't know how this happened, but I'm guessing it must have been an emphasis on melody or something. Uh, he got that over King's Dead by J-Rock, Kendrick Lamar, and Future. Then uh, Lucky You by Eminem and Joyner Lucas. Sicko Mode by Travis Scott and Drake. And then Win, another song by J-Rock and Kendrick Lamar. So they decided Drake had the best writing out of all of those. Uh, well, more power to him. So the bigger problem, though, is that this is the second time Drake has won Best Rap Song. When was the other time, you might ask? Back in 2017, Drake won Best Rap Song for Hotline Bling. Now, come on, man. Now, nobody's calling Hotline Bling a rap song now. But let's take a look at some of the songs that Hotline Bling actually beat out. Uh, first, there was Fat Joe and Remy Ma all the way up. Uh, Famous by Kanye West and Rihanna. No Problem by Chance the Rapper, Lil Wayne, and 2 Chainz. Uh, Ultra Light Beam, which a lot of people say had the best verse of the year by Chance the Rapper. And that was also a Kanye West song. So I don't know exactly how the Grammys gives out this award, but uh, congrats to Drake, though, because... <laughs> Then he came on stage and he gave that speech basically telling the Grammys that the award doesn't matter and artists don't have to pay attention to it while accepting the award. So another one of the highlights of the night was Cardi B winning Best Rap Album. Uh, she was the first solo female artist to win the Rap Album Award. Uh, Lauren Hill won as part of the Fugees back in 1997. And honestly, I thought Cardi put out a complete album. Like a lot of the songs with like dope lyrical content. Even if you're inclined to listen to the ghostwriting rumors, I mean, it didn't stop Drizzy from winning anything. And there were a lot of club bangers on it too. And the album really has a lot of replay value. And honestly, I'm kind of upset that Bickenhead didn't get a lot of play. Like next time you go listen to Invasion of Privacy, check out Bickenhead and you'll see exactly what I mean. Uh, personally, I thought she deserved it, and it was my favorite uh, amongst the albums that were nominated for Best Rap Album. But if you really want to talk about controversy, because I'm sure there were some people who don't really agree, uh, let's go back to 2014, when I feel like everybody was just like, okay, what are you guys doing? And that was the infamous year that Macklemore won, and it had everybody up in arms. But it even gets worse when you consider the group of artists he was up against. All right, let me just run through it real quick. Uh, Nothing Was the Same, Drake. Magna Carta, Holy Grail by Jay-Z. Good Kid, Mad City by Kendrick Lamar. And Yeezus by Kanye. And they gave it to Macklemore. I think that was like the last time we heard of Macklemore because everybody was like, okay, this is ridiculous. We will not take you to and then Macklemore texted Kendrick after the show saying he thought Kendrick should have won. And Drake was like, how come I didn't get a text? Another funny thing about the rap album of the year is that Jay-Z has actually only won it once. And that was for 
Hard Knock Life Volume 2 back in 1999. Jeez, that's like, what, 20 years? So when we consider the artists who have won it and who haven't, you have to consider who they also went up against that year. Like Nas, for instance, like that's an artist a lot of people keep holding up. Like, okay, if Nas ever won it, then the Grammys don't count. And I'm like, hold on, let's let's take a look at who he was up against those years, and and maybe there was a point there. So he was nominated for I Am, and this was at the 2000 Awards, and he lost to the Slim Shady LP, which is basically the first of back-to-back awards for Eminem and beginning of like a dynasty of sorts because he won three of the next four for best rap album. Then again, in 2008, for Hip Hop Is Dead, he lost to Graduation uh, by Kanye West, who was in the middle of another dynasty where he had won his third uh, best rap album in four years. And then uh, we got to the Untitled album in 2009. He lost to the Carter Three. And finally, uh, his album Life Is Good in 2013, he lost to Drake's Take Care. So it's like, you can't really have any beef on who Nas lost to, because those are albums that a lot of people consider classic rap albums. So it's like, we can politic about how Nas might be criminally underrated by the Grammys, and we should go do our own thing, but we have our own thing. They're called the BET Awards. Do you know who won the BET Award for Best Rap Album? I I bet you don't. But yeah. A uh, quick thing before moving on, uh, Ludacris won Best Rap Album in 2007 for Release Therapy. It seemed kind of random, but then I actually went back to go check it out, and I didn't realize it was such a dope album. Like, it was the album with Moneymaker, with Pharrell, uh, Grew Up a Screw Up with Jeezy, and of course, Runaway Love with Mary J. Blige, that song that had all kinds of preteens acting mad emotional, thinking you was about to run away. Nah, just, but... It was, it was a dope album. So some other interesting award winners, well, nominees in this case, was Sheon Kuti, a Nigerian artist, the son of the late great Fela Kuti. He was nominated for Best World Music Album, but he didn't win, unfortunately, but it was still a big deal for Nigerian music. Then it got me thinking, like, which Afrobeat artist uh, could possibly win and I'm not one of those people who tries to dismiss the notion that any of them might have a shot. Man, there are a lot of artists out there who who have the capability of doing it. Like I said before, uh, Young Thug won a Grammy for songwriting. And that's not to take anything away from Young Thug. It's just a way uh, of saying that artists flourish when they're in creative environments. And I bet if you put any one of these guys in the right environment or working on the right projects, working with the right people, it could result in a nomination or maybe even a win. I mean, the first few names that come to mind are artists like Burno Boy, like he's worked with uh, Fall Out Boy, and Wiz, obviously, he's done some work with Drake and a lot of other people. And David O has been putting out some music with some interesting people lately. And honestly, I feel like sooner rather than later, one of these artists might pop up on a nomination list and it's something we should be proud of so one of the funniest things for me at this year's grammys uh, was the best reggae album and who won you might ask shaggy i mean yeah that's mr bombastic or whatever uh even though it's been like 20 years or whatever but it was shaggy and sting 
Yes, that sting. No, no, I'm not. I'm not sure you're getting me. Yes, that that sting. I think I would have been less surprised if it was Sting the wrestler. But yeah, Sting and Shaggy put out a reggae album together, and they won Best Reggae Album at the Grammys. Yeah, 2019 is definitely gonna be special. Uh, so there were some things uh, I wanted to look into in terms of rap greats or legends or whoever we might consider the GOAT and compare their success at the Grammys. So I want to look at contemporary artists first and then move towards the legends. And I'll give you the number of nominations and their number of wins. So I'll start with Drake. He has an astounding 42 nominations. I mean, you just can't ignore that. And that's really impressive. The thing is... Drake has won only four out of the 42. I mean, that's that's still something. I mean, he's won Best Rap Album once, and he's won uh, Best Rap Song a couple times, so that's good, right? I mean, especially when you compare it to the next artist, uh, J. Cole. He's been nominated for seven Grammys, but he still hasn't won one yet. Now, I mean, if you want to talk about criminally underrated for this generation, that's one person we can definitely look at. And the third person we always look to put into the mix uh, of who's uh, the best among the current crop is Kendrick Lamar. And he has 37 nominations. And he's won 13. Yeah. So he's won Best Rap Album a couple times. And on top of that, just to throw it in there, he's won a Pulitzer just to humble everybody. Uh, so moving on to the legends, if you would, Nas is 0 for 13 in Grammys, so that's 13 total nominations and still hasn't gotten one. Kanye West has 69 nominations, nice, and 21 wins. Uh, next to that, we have Jay Z with 77 nominations, and he's won 22 out of them. Now I'm sure Jay Z and Kanye have earned a lot of their Grammys on the work they've done together because they put out some really good stuff. Well, I'm more of a Jay-Z fan anyway. And lastly, we have Eminem with 15 wins out of 44 nominations. So Eminem and Kanye are actually tied for most wins for Best Rap Album with four. So you can see where a lot of these artists uh, were blocked from winning because basically Eminem and Kanye have been monopolizing the group. Uh, so that's going to wrap up the Grammy talk in this podcast. Uh and if it's still around by next year, maybe there'll be like a segment for uh, previews and predictions for uh, next year's awards. So switching gears a bit, uh, I stumbled upon something pretty random, but I think the more you think about it, the more sense it makes. So we all know Valentine's Day was February 14th, but did you know that there was a day uh, called International Condom Day, and that's the day before, which is February 13th. Like, I've heard of some pretty random days, like International Tequila Day, uh, which a lot of people probably think is really important, but I have, like, a bad history with tequila, and I'm, I'm not going to get into it, not yet, at least on the podcast. But yeah, so ICD, as it's called, or International Condom Day, uh, one, they give a date to everything. And two, it's absolutely brilliant. Like, can you think of a day where more condoms are sold than the day before Valentine's Day? Well, okay, maybe 
uh, Valentine's Day itself, but you should probably already be prepared for Valentine's Day, in my opinion. And I thought, like, this was a day created by the condom companies or even Hallmark, uh, you know, the same way they created Valentine's Day, but you didn't hear that from me. Anyway, uh, International Condom Day was created by the AIDS Healthcare Foundation as a way to promote awareness and prevent the spread of AIDS and other uh, sexually transmitted diseases. So their motto for 2019 was safer is sexy. And last year's motto was condoms are always in fashion. I think those are pretty clever, especially since they're trying to promote awareness or get people more involved with the day. Also, I wanted to drop some hard facts here. You see what I did there? Uh, 5 billion condoms are sold worldwide each year, 450 million of them in the US. Uh, the average condom can hold a gallon of liquid, a gallon. I don't even want to know what you're doing that you're going to end, you know, I'm, I'm not even going to go there. And then lastly, uh, according to a survey, people have more sex on Valentine's Day than they did on their wedding day. Yeah, I know, it's shocking to me too. So, speaking about getting screwed, I just want to take a moment to talk about the Nigerian presidential election. The election is every four years. It's supposed to be steady. You should be able to set your watch to it. But not in Nigeria's case. I mean, the election was postponed. Uh, and the committee or organization that is responsible for conducting the elections gave a statement and... What it basically said was uh, they're trying to give themselves a pat on the back for attempting to hold a free and fair election, but not being able to do so logistically. So, the, 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 just in case anybody's like having a hard time catching up. So, you you have one job. You're not in charge of the police or education or traffic. All you have to do is conduct the election every four years. That's it. And it's not like you're updating it with like high-tech equipment with scanners and electronic equipment. No, it's mainly paper ballots and they still couldn't get that right. That's like having an Olympic official who instead of using like electronic timers is using a stopwatch to determine the winner. And then right before the Olympics, like actually the morning of the Olympics, hours before the ballots were set to be cast and he's like you know what guys i don't have four years to prepare for this but i forgot my stopwatch like what do you mean you had you had four years to prepare and it's a stopwatch it's like the most basic of technologies and like man logistically i i just couldn't do it man but yeah uh the presidential elections were postponed a week and I'm sure by the time you're hearing this, the outcome will be known. So some people are happy, some people not so much. But hey, long live Nigeria. So going forward, uh, I'm hoping to start a recurring segment on the pod with a couple TV recommendations. And the first one is a documentary on Netflix. Uh, it's a show called Abducted in Plain Sight. And up till now, I still feel like somebody's going to come out and say, like, this was a hoax or it's supposed to be, like, social commentary. But, oh, my God. Like, just when you think you've seen something so ridiculous and so unbelievable, the next scene, it gets topped. 
and then the next scene after that gets topped and you're just stuck there watching with your mouth wide open and honestly i couldn't finish watching it the first time because a lot of the themes a lot of the subject matter was just it was really disturbing to me and i couldn't take it so it took me a couple tries to get through the documentary and you feel kind of dirty after watching it because it feels like if this really happened then everybody failed every single person the parents the law enforcement and I don't really want to get too much into it because it might be a bit of a spoiler, but for some of you, if you have like the stomach, I suggest you watch it and because it'll shock you in so many ways. And that is not something that happens a lot in this current TV climate, but this is genuinely shocking. So the next show I want to get into is called The Bodyguard. Uh, this is a British show. Is also picked up by Netflix and it stars the guy who played Rob Stark in Game of Thrones and it's a political thriller with action and drama and it's the kind of show where you honestly have no idea what's coming up next and the only thing I can say without giving anything away is that it is really well done and don't get attached because anybody can get it at any time there are a lot of like pulse racing and heart pounding moments in the show like literally from the start so you have to be on it like because there's a lot of twists and turns and it's the kind of show where you think you know what's going on or you think you have somebody figured out or you think you know what somebody's motivations are and i'm just trying to let you know that you really have no idea and of course there's the mandatory twist ending some people felt like it was kind of forced, but if you pay attention from the start, it, it made a lot of sense the way it ended, to me at least. And I highly recommend it. Uh, the main star, again, he won the Golden Globe for Best Actor in a Drama, an award that he thoroughly deserved. Uh, so you know he brought it in this show. Then our final recommendation is another espionage action type show and it's called Jack Ryan, starring John Krasinski. He played Jim in The Office and Wendell Pierce. He was Robert Zane in Suits and Bunk in The Wire. Now, this is another really well-done show. Uh, it's from Amazon Prime Video, and they really went all in. Like, they had a movie budget for the show. And you know they're really confident how the show is going to play out because the show was already renewed for the second season before the first season debuted. And then a few months after the debut, the show was renewed for season three. So there's a there's a commitment to how accurate things are, where in terms of like military equipment and also like location scouting, like they 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 obviously filmed in like multiple countries. And I feel like it's one of those shows where like Amazon Prime Video is going to base their entire catalog around. Uh, it's a pretty short show, like the rest of these streaming services. They usually don't have more than 10 or 13 episodes per season. And I believe Amazon Prime usually does about eight episodes. Uh, so this show, I highly recommend it and it's definitely worth the watch. Uh, so going forward, we're gonna be doing more recommendations for TV shows from other genres as well. So we're gonna talk about some movie recommendations too, and maybe some music as well. That's just some stuff to look forward to 
also I'm gonna do this thing where I watch movies that are considered classics by most people but as a self-proclaimed movie buff these are movies that I haven't seen yet so I'm gonna go watch them and possibly give reviews on them and let you know if they're worth the hype or if they're overrated I also uh, welcome recommendations on some of these movies you think I should be looking out for and basically it's a way to talk back to the show so I would really appreciate that as well yeah so that concludes our first episode uh, I want to thank you for lasting this long uh, if you like what you heard please share it with your friends family acquaintances strangers and if you didn't like it, well, I guess you can share it with your enemies or somebody trying to get rid of or just share it all the same. I would love some feedback. Uh, so please let me know if there's anything you'd like uh, for me to discuss on the show or if there's anything you feel that can be improved upon. Uh, I take it all into consideration. Uh, also, please subscribe, rate uh, and review however you get your podcast whether it's Spotify or Apple Podcasts or even SoundCloud. And in some cases, YouTube. Uh, it makes a really big difference and it could possibly help the show grow. Also, check us out on all social media platforms. On Twitter, we are the WA Pod. On Instagram and Facebook, we are the Well Actually Pod. And the YouTube channel is coming soon. So hopefully, I'll speak to you again next week. Take it easy. Thank you.